Welcome to the Insert Coin Theater podcast. My name is Tim. I am so very happy to have you here in today's episode. It's actually supposed to say episode 28. I recorded the whole dang thing. I'm probably going to try to overlay that with some kind of a crossed out thing. You'll see it uh, in post if you're watching the video version. If you're listening to the audio version, this is episode 28 of the ICT podcast. My name is Tim again. We're going to be talking about the World Health Organization's decision about uh, gaming disorder again. I get to go on a little bit of a rant. I'm very excited about that. I don't even have words. Let's just, we're going to jump into that. That's going to be crazy. I hope you guys will, don't mind me getting a little upsetty spaghetti about it uh, because it's a very personal thing for me. And then we're going to talk about gaming news, both Fable 4 rumors, as well as Pokemon Sword and Shield, and A Plague Tale Innocence uh, gets revisited by me again as well. So let's go ahead and start the show. Okay, let's jump right into this. The International Classification of Diseases 11th Revision, the ICD-11, has officially ratified that gaming disorder is a thing. This happened back in 2018 when we rebooted this podcast. So the very first episode of the ICT podcast as of September 2018 was the classification of gaming disorder as a problem. Okay, so let's talk about this a little bit. People are railing against this as expected. And a big, a big part of this reasoning is understandable. I get it. When gaming has something that casts us in a negative light, every time that there's a school shooting, games are blamed immediately. Every time that there is a, a mental health issue that, that crops up and the person plays a lot of video games, that's front and center. Gaming is a bullied thing. It's a bullied medium, right? It's it's targeted by people who don't understand that it is simply an escapism mechanism no different than movies, no different than books in that in that regard. One of the things that we are kind of conditioned to do is to defend gaming at all costs. We are hardwired to push back when somebody says, "Oh, maybe that's because of gaming." Maybe, maybe, maybe this reason, maybe that reason. And I get it. We had, we've had to deal with the Jack Thompsons of this world, the people that don't understand. It's no different than the folks who regulate the internet. We have this desire to defend the thing that we love so passionately and vehemently. I get that. This ruling is not targeting the medium. This ruling is protecting people who need help. It's giving people a way to classify a disease that people suffer from. It's no different than anxiety. It's no different than depression. It's no different than gambling disorder where people can't help but gamble. They get a they have a physical dependency on playing gambling games. It's a problem. It's a real thing. And the thing that frustrates me the most is that so many of you are telling me of all people, someone who suffered from gaming disorder, ate an addiction to a game 
that it's no different than reading a book that people use it as an ex- will use it as an excuse to get drugs that people I don't understand you guys I I genuinely don't I suffered from it it's okay to say I don't understand what it what it's about but you know what we'll support it it's just like depression or anxiety if somebody suffers from depression or anxiety you may not understand it because you may be neurotypical that's okay you get it that those people are struggling with something that you don't have to what is so different about this gaming disorder and i know i sound angry because i am it's very frustrating to be told and and i mean we've had to deal with this with my so recce for a long time they suffer from from depression that you can just walk it off, just shake it off. It's no big deal. No, no, you're fine. Just light some light some aromatherapy candles, and your depression will disappear. That's not how that works. Depression is a, a it has many many causes, but the hardest to treat and hardest to handle versions of depression involve chemical imbalances in the brain. It's not something that you can just walk off. It's not something that's just totally fixed by exercise. It may be helped by that thing. It may be helped by being more zen or doing Pilates or whatever you want to say, but it doesn't make it go away. It's not something you can just walk off. Just because you were sad for a week because your pet died, and then all of a sudden you got better because you started using aromatherapy candles... That's part of the grieving process, and that that's not the aromatherapy candles. That's just part of you being neurotypical and moving on from that. So forgive me if I'm a little irate when something that I had to deal with for many years of my life without realizing it and, and by embracing my own disorder and my own issue, and I'm not using this as a crutch, and I'm not using this as something that I have now because I, I have gotten past it. A lot of work went into getting past it, but I did, and the game helped too. But that said, I have since gotten to a point where I, I realized my mistakes and 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 my 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 struggle there. I, I was setting myself up habitually to be addicted to this game and physically dependent on the game, and the game is World of Warcraft. And I talked about this in episode one. And one of the things that, that drives me bonkers about this whole thing is that it's being likened to reading a book and being late to work. And I'm kind of sort of calling someone out indirectly there. You know who you are. That said, it's not. Being late because you were, you were engrossed in a book is different than missing a day of work because you've got to play this game. There's a new raid out, so you've got to go get geared up. Who needs to work when you can get ready for your raid? When you skip school to go do that, when you're you cancel all of your outings with your friends or that date with your your girlfriend or significant other, those that's that's a problem. When you stop taking showers, when you stop eating, when you forget to eat, when you start neglecting your physical health and you begin to get unwell because of it, those that's a problem. And that's where gaming disorder. That's what gaming disorder is trying to classify. It's defined as a pattern of gaming behavior, digital gaming or video gaming, characterized by impaired control over gaming, increasing priority given to gaming over other activities to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other interests and daily activities and continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences. Just because you are engrossed in God of War doesn't mean that you have gaming disorder, okay? If you're playing a game to the point, for example, let's say 
Counter-Strike. If you're playing that to the point where you're not eating and all you're doing is playing Counter-Strike, you forget to eat for 12, 14, 16 hours, and you don't even get up or take a break. You might take a pee break, but that's about it. You might not even do that. Some of the more extreme cases, they pee into jars. That's a problem. And to say that's not a problem is to deny people's struggle and you're being part of the issue. People need to get help. And the only way that people can get help is if they have A, these things classified and codified, and B, someone there to support them when it happens. By mocking this, you're pushing people further into their addiction and denial of that problem. That's on you. Let's be better. We need to work together to destigmatize this sort of stuff. The World Health Organization isn't picking on gaming, guys. They really aren't. What they're doing is they're trying to help people who may have a disorder, and this enables doctors to say, well, maybe, maybe we can prescribe you know, something to help with that. Maybe we can give you, and that doesn't mean just medicines. I'm talking exercise, uh, daily stuff, you know, things like that where... Uh, it, maybe it can draw attention to the issue with a parent of a teenage kid who is in high school who is playing uh, a game for 14 hours a day. That was me. I was doing that. World of Warcraft. I'd get home at, from school at like 2 p.m. and then I'd sit there and play it until 2, 3, 4 a.m. and get a couple hours of sleep before I went back to school the next day. So to tell me that my, and this was every day, I'm not talking just like a, a minor thing, like at its peak, it was every day I would go, I would do mining, I would play the game. I mean, we're talking, I had, I had well over a year of played time in the first, I think three years, I had like four or five months, maybe six months in the first couple of years. It got bad. When Burning Crusade came out, it got even worse. So for people to tell me that what I had to deal with is not a real issue, is a slap in the face, and is disgusting to me. So please, be better. Do better. Understand that some people have struggles that you do not understand, and that's okay. But support people who may be suffering from a problem that they can't help or control. Because a physical addiction like that, uh, or uh, not necessarily a physical addiction, a, uh, a mental addiction, is that, is that what it's called? I might be getting my terminology mixed up. The addiction where you, you feel the need, you're, you're not like if you stop playing it, you, have, you break out in hives or sweat or vomit. But it so, has such a grip on your mind that you just, all you do is think about that. You're just... I want to play that. I want to play that. And that's what sustains you through school, through work, through anything that you do. That is your end goal is to go play the game. That's unhealthy. People who suffer from gaming addiction have died in cyber cafes in places like South Korea and, and the like. People, people have played games to the point of making themselves ill where they forget to eat or they drink too many energy drinks and collapse. It, it's unfortunate that we've gotten to the point where just because they're trying to help people that we start attacking it and making fun of it and mocking it and being merciless about it. I'm, I'm at a loss now. <laughs> I just don't know what to say. I'm just, I'm so incensed that I had people actually pop into my my 
my tweets and tell me that it's not a real thing. And for those who are supporting and, and, and being candid about it, thank you. Like it means a lot because like I said, I've broken my addiction to the game. I'm not worried about it. I, I got to a point where I had to make a choice of continue to play the game or sacrifice my relationship with Reki, sacrifice my friendships. I had pushed all of that to the breaking point and it came to the point where I had to make a choice. And fortunately for me, I made the right choice and I made the choice that was better for me. But some people don't have that capability. I wasn't so far stuck in that loop that I couldn't break out. Some people are. Some people are completely incapable of breaking out of that gameplay loop, breaking out of their utter dependency on this game for their social status, for their social fill, for feeling needed and wanted. And that's a big part of it is with World of Warcraft, when the game was at its peak, I felt needed and wanted in a time where I didn't feel like I had any value. And that's a big part of it is the valuation of the person and how they feel when they get involved in this game. When you play a raid in World of Warcraft Burning Crusade, it was 10 people to 25 people were depending on you to do your job and do well. And if you did extremely well, the amount of praise you got lavished on you, the rewards were big and people looked at you differently and talked to you differently and treated you as if you knew what you were doing. And in a world where you're just another white kid who plays video games, that was, that was tough for me. And I'm not, I'm not here to play a victim. I'm not here to say, what was me. I decided to go down a path where I accepted that world of Warcraft was my acceptance my my place to be accepted it was my safe space so to look at gaming addiction it's it's very easy for me to see why and i was very fortunate to have i had an so recky recky and i had been dating like recky's the one who got me into the game we played it together for a while until uh, i started getting to the point where i began to get addicted and I know I would play it at all hours, even when Reki wasn't online or around rather than having some kind of a built-in limiter. And I think, I think that that was, there were a lot of, there were a lot of factors that played into my eventual being consumed by wow. And yeah, the, the game, the game was great and that, that helped and it had addictive gameplay loops and, it kind of ended up being that little Skinner box. And so in addition to wanting to help my, my guild and help my team, people who I had become begun to get to know and form friendships with, which again, not a bad thing, but I became dependent on their friendships and the connections with those people over the real life connections that I had already forged and made and I looked more forward to going and spending time with people in a digital world where we could slay monsters and dragons rather than in a physical world where we would have physical interaction. I would get out and get sunshine every once in a while, maybe go have a snack or go cause some ruckus or even play games with people in a real setting. It's such a big difference than only getting your social activity on the internet. And once you begin to feel needed and wanted by your guild, even if they're using you for potions or mining or whatever, and you already are feeling like you don't have much value in the world, it's a power. It's a hell of a drug. It is. 
And it's so hard for me to quantify this to people who just don't understand. But when you're feeling so low and so unimportant that when people begin to lavish that importance and praise and give you a position of feeling like you have meaning and worth over what you're getting in your normal life, which I'm not saying I wasn't getting because my parents are great. They did a great job of raising me, but it's hard to break that, that, that cycle. It's hard to get involved in a game where you are one of the most powerful of your kind that there's just next, (laughs) there's just next to no comparison genuinely it's just it's such a it's such a hell of a thing and for people to say that this isn't real that this is a joke and to make fun of it it hurts because i know that there's more people that suffer worse than i ever did because like i i still took showers because i love showers showers are one of my favorite things in the world so it, it breaks my heart that people are making fun of this because what you're doing is you're pushing people further down the rabbit hole be accepting and understanding. And if you can't do that, then just shut up. You don't have to have an opinion on everything. And I think that's the important thing is, is we as gamers are like, we know everything about gaming. We have to know everything about gaming. So therefore I'm going to weigh in on this because my opinion matters. Your opinion doesn't matter here. I'm sorry. It doesn't. Your opinion doesn't freaking matter when it comes to this. The WHO has made a decision and it is a good decision because it's going to help people. And if you're not happy with that, reevaluate yourself before you start knocking on something that's going to help actual people get better. Yeah, that that's all. I think I think it's really important to if you don't understand it, that's okay. It's okay to shut your mouth and let people who are dealing with this deal with it. Let them. The same thing applies for things like depression, anxiety, gambling addiction, alcoholism, any of those things, any of these disorders that can be helped with this classification, it's okay to not speak up about it. It's okay to let it happen. What you should do, if you're really feeling gutsy, call people out when they're mocking it. Say, hey, that's not cool, dude. Don't do that. It's a real problem. Or... Maybe we shouldn't make fun of it because you obviously don't have any experience with it. I think it's ridiculous. It's utterly ludicrous to look at something like gaming disorder and say, nah, that's not a thing. Uh, Nah, it's not real. Obviously, the research has been done by the World Health Organization. They didn't just go into this ham-fistedly and just go, yeah, gaming's a thing, so we're just going to say there's a, a disorder around it. No, there has been research that has gone into this. This sort of thing gets researched, researched by experts. Let me read this to you. Why is gaming disorder being included in ICD-11? A decision on inclusion of gaming disorder is based on reviews of available evidence and reflects a consensus of experts from different disciplines and geographical regions that were involved in the process of technical consultations undertaken by WHO in the process of the development of ICD-11. Inclusion of gaming disorder follows the development of treatment programs for people with health conditions identical to those characteristics of gaming disorder in many parts of the world and will result in the increased attention of health professionals to the risks of development of this disorder and accordingly to relevant relevant prevention and treatment measures. It says it right there, guys. 
It's there because people have been dealing with it. They've gone to their doctors about it. It has been seen by many experts. These are people that actually dedicate their lives to understanding humans and the way that our brains work. And those people said, hell yeah, that's a thing. I've seen many people who have dealt with that. It's not just some random schmo where they go up on, you know, go up to a, a congressman and say, is gaming disorder a thing? Yes, it's a thing because they shoot schools. No, that's not how that works. How it works is they go to actual physicians, psychologists, people who know what the heck they're doing and talk with them about it and classify all of these characteristics and then they figure out the ones that are common across all of them, and then they make it into an actual thing. Then it has to be voted on. It's not just some willy-nilly thing where they go, yeah, we're going to pick on gaming today. It's not how that works, y'all. Please understand this is for the betterment of people who suffer from something that you don't understand, and that's okay that you don't understand it. But if you're going to weigh in, at least research it a bit. Just, just please, for the love of God, research it a bit. Do some, apply your empathy hat and try to put yourself in the shoes of somebody. Uh, let me, let me just say how it's this, it's diagnosed too before we move on. Okay, for gaming disorder to be diagnosed, the behavior pattern must be of sufficient severity to result in significant impairment to personal family, social, educational, occupational, or other important areas of functioning and would normally have been evident for at least 12 months. You can't walk in and say, yeah, I've been playing God of War, which just came out for 30 hours straight, and I have gaming disorder. No, you have to have been dealing with this for over a year, and it has to affect and impair your personal, family, social, educational, occupational, or other important areas. That includes hygiene, uh, care of self, all of that stuff for at least 12 months. Okay? Do you understand now? This isn't picking on gaming. This is helping people who have a legitimate problem. Okay? That's it. They're just, they diagnose it if you've been dealing with it for 12 months and you just can't help yourself. Okay. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. Let's go ahead and roll into a word from our sponsors. I'm sorry I got already, guys. I just, I get very frustrated with seeing anybody who is going to belittle my struggle and my experience just because they don't understand it. It's not fair to me and it's not fair to the people that have to deal with it. That's all. That's all I have to say about that. Anyways, yeah, let's go ahead and take a short break, and we will be right back at the thing here in just a minute here on the ICT Podcast. Thanks for your patience. Okay, let's talk some gaming news to wrap up the show. So in gaming, we have run into... Uh, a, a bit of a, a leak, actually, believe it or not, uh, ahead of E3. Uh, it looks like Fable 4 may be a realer thing than we were expecting. Um, well, maybe we were all expecting Fable 4 to be a thing. We have kind of known for some time that Playground Games, who uh, recently were acquired by Microsoft, who developed Forza Horizon 4, were working on some kind of an unannounced Fable title. This was kind of leaked and... 
industry rumor and was kind of like confirmed by insiders, but not confirmed because there's not been any real word on it. So we kind of know a fable title is coming. We just don't necessarily know what that title is. Well, come to find out that Mixer had fable four listed in its game dropdown list for a little bit. Now, here's the thing. Here's the rub. Okay. So the game list for, Mixer, which is Microsoft's live streaming platform, for those of you who don't know, is generated by Player.me. It's a uh, a website that's kind of like a social site for gamers. So you can go and post your status and make friends and build communities, etc., etc., etc. It's kind of a cool site, but the game list is what powers Mixer's game list. So whenever you make a request for a game to be added for Mixer, for their drop down to play it, you have to put the request in through player.me. So there's nothing to say that this wasn't a request put in by some troll and it just got approved because who knows why, etc. Uh, Mixer doesn't directly control that game list. Now, I think they can add things to the list manually, so it's a possibility that they added it manually. But my money's more on somebody adding it on the player ME side and ending up on Mixer inadvertently without Mixer's knowledge. Uh, and I don't I don't know if it's if there's a fable game coming so I'm I'm not surprised if a fable 4 is coming but I feel like it may have just been a troll from somebody who's trying to post something in there and and give people hopes before we know for sure but regardless of that I think it's a it's a really interesting rumor I think that having another visit to the industrial slightly post-industrial era of Britain uh style of course not actual britain but it's albion but having revisiting that universe uh with with your guns your your rifles and pistols your crossbows your uh your magic and swords i i love that and it's such an interesting universe and such a rich universe and i don't know it'll be nice to see it be free of the 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 clutches of oh my gosh i'm having a brain fart right now um peter molyneux that's it good lord i let me let me preface this with i, ju I just woke up not long ago because i wanted to rant and rave about uh about the who decision decision that decision See, I'm having trouble articulating too, which isn't unusual, but you know. But without it being under the thumb of Peter Molyneux, I'm very interested to see where the game goes, how it ends up. Because Molyneux, while visionary, also overpromises and underdelivers every freaking time he gets his hands on a game. And I think that he's a pretty brilliant game designer. I just don't, or at least conceptually, he comes up with some pretty cool ideas. But I think that I feel like Fable is going to be better off without him. Um, I don't know. Was he involved in three? I don't know if he was involved in three, um, but because I thought I thought three was the last Lionhead game. Um, let's see. Fable three, Peter Molyneux. Let's see. Yes. OK. Yeah. So he was still involved with Fable three. And. Oddly enough, he he labeled Fable three. a train wreck and i remember that because i was like what and then when i played it i loved it fable 3 was a ton of fun it was a great game i don't think it was a train wreck at all 
In fact, I think it was uh, actually a really beautifully done game, a very well-executed product. So it's just kind of funny to me that Molyneux overpromises and underdelivers on every game that he does, and then when a game finally delivers and hits on all cylinders, it's a train wreck. Anyways, but that said, a Fable 4 is rumored to be coming out, which I'm very excited about and I think will be very promising and very interesting overall. So I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see what they come out with in it, uh, how the story plays out, because the the story is the stories are very interesting and kind of over the top and filled with destiny and fate, but without having Teresa involved because she was in one and two. I don't remember if she was in three. I'm having trouble remembering. But um, Teresa was a very uh, critical piece of those. Um, I don't know. I, I just I wonder if it's going to be another uh, another kind of like fate intertwined um, destiny, good and evil type thing. Like it, it needs to be for it to be a real fable experience. So I'm wondering how they'll they'll execute on the the good versus evil stuff, and with with current gen technology and. Um, capabilities it'll be very cool to see how far they can push that in terms of visuals and uh, in terms of options because there were a lot of options in fable 2 and 3 for being evil or good and i want to see how they how they manage to make that a thing and how they make that far-reaching because being able to buy up whole towns like the houses and then rent them out and then um the 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 shops and everything i loved that concept and i would love to do that again so and that was all Fable 2. I'm I'm having trouble remembering Fable 3. Again, I'm I haven't been awake super duper long this morning. I, I really had to get up and rant about uh the WHO decision. So that that's that. Um more news. Uh the uh there's a new Nintendo Direct on June 5th. I know that's dating this a little bit, uh coming out about uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. That is the second direct where they're going to give some more details and in information. Um, it'll be about 15 minutes. I'm hoping that's not going to be in lieu of new information at E3. I'm hoping E3 will still be chock full of deets for us to embrace and jump all over. So uh, fingers crossed that that's what we end up with because I would love to see that. Pokemon Sword and Shield looks really, really promising. It's the first Switch exclusive mainline Pokemon title. Uh, Pokemon Let's Go was not mainline. It was a recreation of Pokemon uh, uh, Red, Blue, Yellow, but with full 3D graphics. So the uh, I'm just really stoked to see what they do and what limits they push in their own engine. And with it being full 3D, it's going to be really unique and different because, yes, we had a 3D one in Pokemon Sun and Moon and Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, but this is going to be like the first like not... 320p version of a Pokemon game in 3D. So it's going to have hopefully the anti-aliasing, the nice looking graphics. Like it's not going to be so compressed that it looks really kind of meh like Pokemon Sun uh, and and Moon do. Like if you go and look at those graphics, they they had to compress the hell out of them to fit them onto the uh, the the, D, the 3DS carts. And there's a lot of jaggies and stuff. And that, that stuff does drive me nuts. And in the world we're in today with hardware, the way that it is, it's really, really important to me that we make things look nice, especially when they're cartoony. Because you look at games like Borderlands, and the older Borderlands even still looks okay. And the game is older than Pokemon Sun and Moon. And yeah, I know the hardware is very different, but come on. Like, just a little bit of anti-aliasing would go a long way, y'all. So... 
I think Nintendo's starting to realize that polish goes a long way for people's enjoyment of a game. I mean, look at Mario Odyssey and such. So having that like cartoony, over-the-top, beautiful environments is super-duper exciting to me. Plus, it's a UK equivalent, and I'm very excited to see the British Isles become uh, a focus of the games and what they do with the the lore and and such and the history of that area because there's a lot of history there and a lot of very interesting stuff that they're going to be able to do with it that I'm I'm very stoked to see. So I cannot wait. Cannot wait. I'm so excited to see what this new Nintendo Direct pulls out and what it brings to the table because once we have a new Direct, we'll maybe get more Pokemon, maybe we'll have some answers as to what the weird glyphs on the side of everything is. Um, maybe we'll see some more about how the game plays, maybe some more gameplay stuff, which would be really sweet. Uh, maybe some more info about the protagonists and the characters involved. Would love to see that too. I want to see uh, what what their aim is and how they're going to accomplish things like accents and the like in, in text and the localization, things like that. I'm very... It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out because there are a lot of varied accents in the British Isles and it will be very a very unique experience I think because they didn't really do a whole lot of that with the French stuff when they did uh black and white which was uh set in a France equivalent in the Pokemon universe so seeing them do this in the British Isles uh will be very interesting and then finally, to wrap it up, uh, I will give my final thoughts on A Plague Tale Innocence, which I completed uh, this just yesterday, um, which was Sunday. And let me say, it's good. Aside from the beginning, which I railed against enough in the last episode, um, I loved it. I, I genuinely liked it. I, I just, I genuinely loved the story. I thought it was really good. It had its moments of, of complete heartbreaking uh, craziness. But it also had its moments of WTF and even I'm never going to sleep again. A couple of those kind of moments. Very interesting. Very cool story. Some cool costumes. Some cool designs. And I, I thought they did a really bang up job with it. Honestly, I, I thought they did a great job. And uh, I was a bit harsh on it. But um, I got about nine hours out of it in terms of gameplay and the the beginning was really crap but um once you get about an hour in it it really really opens up and the story really kind of grabs you so if you can tough it out past that first hour i know that's a big ask for some people and i i get it but if you can tough it out past that first hour i think you'll love it i really do it's it's a solid story it's uh, it has it has a couple of moments that are very frustrating, including some stealth elements that are you get seen and you have to restart that section. Those are really frustrating. And it had a couple of uh, combat moments, which combat uh, scenes, which were more BS than they should have been. So I had my 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 salt, but overall I'd give it a recommend, and I loved the story. I really genuinely did. So I would say a Plague Tale Innocence is definitely worth a buy, uh, even at fifty bucks. I think that you'll get your money's worth out of it. It was it was fun. Nine hours is a pretty decent uh, haul for for fifty bucks. And if you can get it on sale, even better. Go do that uh, for sure. But I I recommend it after the first hour. It gets so much better, and then you have a full like eight eight and a half hours of of gameplay to enjoy. Uh, and and really dig into. Um, and if you're a completionist, I'm sure there's a lot more there that you could get like 11 or 12 hours out of. But I I got I got about nine hours. Probably would have been less without the BS moments, which there were a few of, like I said. But beyond that, it was it was uh, it was good. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think uh, it was a ton of fun. And yeah, 
it, it's good. And then uh, finally, uh, Overwatch is currently in its anniversary event, which means that every they have the legendary loot boxes, which means every loot box you open will get your hands on a uh, the chance to get an item from any of the past events uh, in the last year. So there's a lot of good stuff that you can get your hands on in those boxes. So if you are uh, hooked on wa um, wow Overwatch, you are really interested in getting uh, the skins like I am. I'm a bit of a skin collector. Now is your time to play the game and enjoy it and get some loot boxes while you're doing it. Do the arcade stuff. You'll get uh, nine, uh, three loot boxes out of that for nine wins um, on top of your regular level stuff. So um, it's a bit of a slog and I hate loot boxes. I I've gotten to the point where I'm sick of them. But if you really want those sexy skins, do it. Plus, they added a couple of skins, including a May skin, which is like she's wearing like jean shorts and like a an apron, so she looks like she's working at a diner. And then they added a, a librarian version of Diva, which looks like she's like in a schoolgirl outfit, like a Korean schoolgirl outfit. It's super freaking cute, absolutely adorable. Highly recommended uh, if you can get your hands on those. I want to get my hands on both really badly, so I've been I've been grinding pretty hard for them. But alas, no luck yet. But you know, there's always next year when it rolls around and you can you can buy them directly, I guess, from the using their their in-game currency, which I still wish you could just buy the currency. I would spend a lot more money on Overwatch if you could just buy the skins you want. Just saying. Just saying, Blizzard, you're missing out on an opportunity here. Anyways, that I think is going to do it. So we're going to go to one more commercial, uh, one more sponsor break, and then we will uh, we'll jump back into uh, our closing um, I want to talk to you guys for a second about Retrofizz before we jump into our our closing. We'll be right back after this word for our sponsors. Thanks for your patience. And welcome back to the show, the Insert Coin Theater podcast. We're about to wrap up, but I, before we go, I wanted to say thank you guys so much for all the support you've been lavishing on Retrofizz. I hope you've been enjoying it. And if you have not checked out RF, please do retrofiz.tv. Uh, we are now live on all the platforms. So that's YouTube, DLive, Facebook, uh, Twitch, and Mixer. So we're on all those platforms. We are live on them. You can check them out uh, on your favorite, your, your drug of choice, as it were. So please, thank you, please and thank you so much. So drop a follow, leave it open in your spare time. Uh, every little bit helps. Retweet our tweets. Um, check out... Uh, check out our Discord, discord.retrofizz.tv. Insert Coin Theater Podcast is proudly a part of the Retrofizz family. Uh, I am very happy that Insert Coin Theater in general produces content for it. And um, at some point, someday, uh, ICT will probably be under that umbrella overall. Um, we're just not there yet. Uh, we will be getting there at some point in time. We're just not there yet just because I'm still kind of growing it as... Uh, a revenue stream for for myself, but once we get Retrofizz really up and bumping, we'll we'll merge those and um, we'll we'll get that happening. Um, you know, if I want to do this full time, uh, it, money's got to come in, right? And and your support is really important for making that happen. And I have plans to make it happen in an accelerated way, so it may actually happen within the next year or two. I'm very hopeful, especially if Retrofizz continues to pick up the way that it is. Um, and if ICT continues to go the way that it is, uh, you guys have been super supportive and super great. And I am so very, very grateful to you uh, for your support. So just to say the ICT podcast is produced by me, Tim, and it's more than just a podcast. It is live streams three days a week, Friday nights, Saturday and Sunday mornings. And 
it is a vibrant and inclusive community on Discord. So you can check it out at discord.gg slash ICT. If you want to support my efforts monetarily and help my content creation efforts become a full-time gig, which I'm so very hopeful for, please, please consider pledging on the ICT Patreon page at patreon.com slash ICT. And I want to give a massive shout out to Andy B., our Arcade Master level supporter, and our three other Patreon supporters for helping keep the podcast alive and kicking. If you can't support monetarily, please consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. These positive reviews bring in new listeners, and it'll help it grow meaningfully. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or you want to connect with me in some way, shape, or fashion, just a, you know, hurl a hello at me, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash insertcointim or on Mixer, Twitch, Facebook, or Instagram at insertcointheater. And my DMs on Discord are always open. You can reach me there at Insert coin theater hashtag six nine six nine. The podcast intro is created by the amazing Ben Burns, also known as Abstraction, and you can check him out at abstractionmusic.com. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>